You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, it's good to be with you today as we continue our series time after time. Uh, we've talked about time being at hand. We've talked about time to prepare for the future. Today we talk about wasting time. Is wasting time a bad thing? Can it be a good thing to waste time? How much time has to elapse before we feel like we're wasting time? Jesus offers us a curious parable today in our scripture reading. Uh, our lesson today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? (laughs) No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. And then he told them a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. If not, you can cut it down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of my very dear friends from Baton Rouge, his name uh, is Mr. Jimmy, Mr. Jim Griffin, Dr. Jim Griffin. Uh, He was an agronomist at LSU. Another way to say that is that he was a weed scientist. Uh, And those shirts sold out every time they had them printed. LSU weed science, right? Um, Mr. Jimmy, he was a blues guitarist. He was a weed scientist. He was just a really, he was an amazing human being. Uh, Every time the youth choir at University of Methodist in Baton Rouge would take like Godspell on tour or Jesus Christ Superstar on tour, he was always in the pit playing guitar. Uh, He's just a fantastic human being. Uh, And he he always had some really interesting sayings. Uh, And he had this fantastic, real thick southern drawl. So when I met him, he goes, You look like a city boy. I was like, well, yeah, guilty. Yeah, sorry. He goes, "Uh, son, you know know what a weed is? I said, no, sir, Mr. Jimmy, what's a weed? He said, a weed is just an unloved flower growing in the wrong place. Like, how fantastic is that? A weed is just an unloved flower growing in the wrong place. Another one of his sayings is that if you don't wait... You'll be wasting your time. If you don't wait, you'll be wasting your time. 
Right? He loves it every year. He goes, every year it's cold, and then there's that first heat wave, and everybody goes to Lowe's and Home Depot, and they start planting stuff, and then there's always one last freeze before Easter. If you don't wait, you're wasting your time. If you don't wait, you're wasting your time. The parable today, in large part, is about wasting time. How much time are we supposed to wait with these things. So there's a landowner, and the landowner has a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he has waited three years over and over and over again, time and time again. And it's not that it's producing bad fruit, it's not producing anything. There's apathy with this tree. And there's some wisdom there. The landowner says, cut it, cut it out. It's wasting the soil. Something else could be here. Get rid of it. Time and time, I've waited for three years for this to produce fruit. And especially in this post-COVID world, right, there are some things that we have tried and tried and tried again, and it's just not producing fruit. So get rid of it. Get it done. There are some things that are not going to survive COVID. Move on, right? I have a lot of sympathy for this landowner. The tree's not producing anything. Get rid of it. Get it done. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter, one, verse thir- uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says, love is patient. You don't have to work on anything else. That's hard enough. The landowner is not patient, but I also totally get it. Except, except fig trees, it takes fig trees three to five years in order to first begin producing fruit. So if you cut it down at the third year, you might be cutting down a good tree. If you're not waiting, you're wasting your time. Sometimes you just got to wait a bit longer. You know. Um, uh, but it reminds me of when I was a child. You know, I, I played soccer for several seasons. And I only scored one goal against my own team. So how many seasons you need before you realize this ain't your thing, right? The tree has not produced anything. Time to get rid of it. So I get it. There's great, there's great, great wisdom there. But then cue the gardener. So the gardener now comes into the story. And the gardener says, wait, wait. Give me one more year. Let me dig around it. Let me put manure on it. And then, and then we'll see what happens. It's called the manure plan. Do you know the manure plan? I bet you have one. The manure plan is when you just pile a bunch of stuff on something and, and you just see what happens, right? The, uh, Bishop, Bishop Hutchinson, uh, after Katrina, his plan in rebuilding the church in New Orleans, he literally called the manure plan because that, that, was, that was about as good as it was going to get, right? Sometimes you just have to pour a bunch of manure on something and see what happens, Right? Mr. Jimmy had a saying about that too. Uh, he said, not everyone who throws manure at you is your enemy. Not everybody who gets you out of manure is your friend. And when you're up, up to your ears in manure, shut your mouth. <laughs> it's great advice, y'all. Except he didn't say manure. You know what I'm saying? You feeling me? You feeling me? I don't want to be written up today, so I'm, I'm going to stick with manure today. But what great, you know, not everyone who throws it at you is your enemy. Not everybody who gets you out of it is your friend. And if you're up to your ears in it, shut your mouth, right? Great advice. Mr. Jimmy, always there 
in a pinch. The manure plan, here's the thing, is that sometimes things look like it's a big pile of manure, but it's actually what it takes for something to grow, right? Sometimes the soil needs to be overturned. Sometimes the soil needs to be fallow and rested. It's like there's a great line at the end of the Batman. If you haven't seen the Batman, I'm sorry. You should go see the Batman. It's great. In a, or as I like to say, in a world where the Dark Knight is a 10, the Batman is like a 9.1. It's, all, it's not a family movie. Don't bring the kids. <laughs> but Because it's brutal and it's brooding and it's noir and it's everything Batman should be, right? But at the end, and there's no spoilers, but at the end, Batman's like brooding over Gotham City and he goes, this is going to get worse before it gets better. How true, right? Sometimes it just gets worse before it gets better, right? It's like when I went off uh, to, to music school. I was a vocal music major in college. And uh, when you're a senior in high school, you're a big fish in a little old pond, but then you get to college and you're, you're a little fish in a big pond. And after that first semester of learning a new technique, you sound terrible. They invited me back home to sing O Holy Night for Christmas Eve. And it was embarrassingly bad because you're trying a new technique, right? You're, you're destroying your old habits. You're learning new ones. And in that process, it ain't good. It's the manure plan, right? I know what this looks like. And look, if you are up to your ears in it, don't be surprised when something new grows. That's what the gardener offers. Look, if everything looks like a big pile of manure in your life, don't be surprised when something new is about to grow. Right? Same thing with discipleship and, and learning the Bible. A lot of the stories that we've learned from, from the Bible, we've learned in like third, fourth, fifth grade, and then we stop learning them, right? Like, for example, we have this, story, we have this picture in our mind about Noah and the ark, right? Uh, the ark hits dry land, and the, and the dove has come back with it, and we hear and there's a rainbow in the sky and like you know a lion is like hugging a lamb and like a crocodile's like giving an antelope a high five and like everything's beautiful and but as we grow and mature we realize just how much faith it took for Noah to walk off of the ark instead of jump off of the ark if you ever survive something like Katrina, you know that after the water subside, everything is broken and dead and muddy and destroyed. And that's what Noah saw. And he goes, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll walk off the ark instead of jump from it. Though, though, do you know the first thing Noah did after getting off the ark? He planted a vineyard and got very drunk. The first store to open after Katrina in my hometown was the daiquiri shop. <laughs> it's just following the Noah plan. That's all that is, just following the Noah plan. Right? The gardener sounds like he's giving good advice. Except, except this tree, again, how many years does it take for a fig tree to bear good fruit? Three, two, Five years. You have the landowner who at year three is saying, cut it down, there's no fruit. The gardener says, hold on, hold on, let me dig around it, let me put manure on it, and let's wait one more year. What's the problem? Is that it just might take five. Both of them are missing something 
about this tree and about this text. What this reveals is that both the landowner and the gardener are wrong. And this is what Jesus' parables do. We think we have it figured out, and we don't. This parable is not about wasting time at all. Just before telling this parable, Jesus has this really super interesting story with all these, these cultural stories that the, the first hearers would have understood about blood being mingled with Pilate and the, the Tower of Siloam falling. That's what, what, that's what he says is, do you think because those things happen to them that they're worse sinners? They're worse sinners than you? Nope. We all need to repent. Do you think that because the tower fell on them and, and their sins are different than yours, that you're somehow more righteous than them? No. We are all, what a human response. Just because someone else's sin is different, we can sometimes see it as worse. And Jesus, Jesus doubles down later in the Gospel of Luke. This is the story he tells. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thusly, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, <laughs> thieves, rogues, adulterers, Bama fans, tax collectors. <clears throat> I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth to everything that I own. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven. He was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me because I am a sinner. I tell you that it was that man who went down to his home justified, not the other. Not the one who was saying, I am not like other people. The plank in my eye Jesus is saying, you think that because that terrible thing happened to them that you're somehow more righteous than they are? What's your problem? More to the point, just after this parable of the fig tree, it says that Jesus was in the temple, or that Jesus was in the synagogue, and he healed a woman. But it was also on the Sabbath. So, of course, the Pharisees get upset, and they get angry. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I know all of you, if you have an ox, you're going to bring the ox to water even on the Sabbath. And you don't want me to heal her? Why are you honoring the Sabbath more than another human being? What's wrong with you? Hmm. Just before this parable, Jesus talks about economy. Remember, it's, it's the story of the unjust steward. Uh, we talked about it several weeks ago where uh, a master has, has a servant and he's messing up the finances. So he said, I need you to reconcile this today's your last day, chump. I need you to reconcile this so we can close the account. And he goes, he goes, how much, how much do you owe my master? A hundred? Okay, make it 50. Quick. And just give me 50. How much do you owe my master? 80? Quick, make it 40. Right? And then he brings this back to his master. His master says, well done. Well done! This is what his master says. So, we have this parable and it's tucked in between this story about economy and then the story about healing on the Sabbath, which reveals that this parable is about something we might have missed and the first line of the parable is the clue. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. You don't plant trees in vineyards. You plant trees in orchards. 
In other words, this tree is unloved and it's growing in the wrong place. What did Mr. Jimmy say? A weed is just an unloved flower growing in the wrong place. But that's not the whole saying. He said a weed is an unloved flower growing in the wrong place and in the kingdom of God there ain't no weeds because you are loved. Both the landowner and the farmer miss the point. The landowner sees the tree but only sees what it produces for him. Cut it down. It's not producing fruit for me. The gardener, likewise, is missing the point. Because if you cut down a tree, friends, you don't need a tree expert on the payroll. So what does the gardener say? Don't, don't cut the tree down yet. G- give, me, give me another year. Let me, I'm, I'm put a bunch of manure on it. I'm going to cover it up. And don't, you, don't we have people in our lives that just cover stuff up with manure and hope it works out, right? The gardener's biding his time. Give me another year. Give me another year. The, the, parable, the parable would be different if the gardener said it's going to take two years. It takes up to five. No, give me another year. He's biding his time. Both of them see the tree as only something that can serve them, which is the oldest story that we have in Scripture. The man and the woman in the garden ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because they wanted to be like God of what the tree could do for them. It said the tree was desirable to the eyes to make one wise. It was desirable for food. It wasn't, it wasn't a gift from God. It was something that could serve them. Both the landowner and the gardener missed the point because it's about the tree. It's about the tree. It's unloved and it's just growing in the wrong place. A weed is simply an unloved flower growing in the wrong place. And in the kingdom of God, there ain't no weeds because God is loved and you are loved. And the difficult lesson is even the people we consider to be weeds upon the earth, God loves them too. It is a kingdom in which outcasts are welcome. The outsiders are given a place of prominence. It's a kingdom in which the unjust steward is more important than the crumbling economy. It's, it's a kingdom in which a woman is healed on the Sabbath because her life is more precious than adherence to a tradition. It's a kingdom in which the prodigal, the father runs out to see the prodigal and throws a party for him and says, my God, thank you, you're home. That's the kingdom. It's not about what the tree can do for you. It's giving thanks that there's a tree at all. Because God is love, there ain't no weeds in this kingdom. You are precious. You are loved. And so are the weeds in your life. They're loved too. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.